Welcome to the Faith Bible Church Dump. Um, I can't say it. The Orderly Podcast. <laughs> I said it. Welcome to Faith Bible Church Theology Podcast. Uh, my name is Daniel Nunez, and with me is uh, Danny Salcido and Jake Dietrich, and we are going to continually continue talking about um, what does it mean to adore God. Uh, our last podcast, we talked about it, uh, just kind of lay, laying down the foundation of what it means to adore God, and uh, this podcast, we're going to talk about what that looks like, um, both in our corporate worship service, um, when we gather on Sundays, what does it look like to adore God? And how do we seek to do that through our worship service? And then what, what does it look like for these men in their um, lives privately? Um, so today, um, Jake, if you want to kind of just walk through a little bit what it looks like on our Sunday service to Door God. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, we will change service order occasionally. Like we just recently changed service order to move communion at the back. Um, and we have preferences of like the order of which things happen. But we try to change it so that... Um, it wouldn't become stale for us. We're creatures of habit. We don't want it to become habit. But there are things that we will habitually do, no matter um, what's going on, no matter what's changing. Like, We're always going to be teaching the Word. Yeah. That's teaching, not going to go away. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, the teaching of God's Word will always be central to our gathering. Amen to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and in praise, I think you've said it often, Danny, of that like praise is a teaching ministry. Uh, we sing songs to meditate on the truth and to proclaim that truth corporately together. Mm-hmm. I think often, you know, like I, I do think preaching is the central, um, the central time of our gathering. But often the reason we all feel compelled to the worship uh, by song in praise is because all of us raising our voices to God is appropriate. Like it's, it's what should be done. If, even if you did not, the rocks would cry out, God says. And so I think there is an element of why our society has bent toward like singing is the primary act of worship. I mean, um, I just want to pause you for a second. Yeah. It is the one time during our service where we have a small picture of what like heaven's going to be like when every tribe, nation, tongue is singing and proclaiming praise to God. Right. Which is incredible. Because. I don't know if you'll be up in heaven preaching and we're all sitting around you listening. Yeah. I'm, but we could all be standing around God right. singing praise and worship together. Right. And I think we will do that for extended amount of times. It's funny because I used to say often like there's that U2 song that says, uh, how long, how long will we sing this song? And I remember growing up in church just feeling like that. How long are we going to do this? Like, <laughs> um, And I don't feel that way anymore. Rarely do I ever feel like... You know, we've sung long enough. Yeah. Um, I don't think we necessarily want to sing long enough to where any of us feel like we've sung long enough because I think we would be missing the point of, of singing. If we're singing so long that people are starting to feel like, are we going to keep doing this? Um, <laughs> like we want to end on a high point. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think knowing that like our service order as a whole is bent toward what we will spend eternity doing and growing in the knowledge of God because we won't spend eternity just singing, yeah, right? I used true. to picture that when I was a kid because um, I would hear worship leaders, as we would call them as a kid, or praise leaders, or uh, but they would say like, oh, I can't wait till we're doing this forever. And as a kid, I was like, wait, this is what we're going to do forever? <laughs> and that's what I would picture is we're all going to walk into a giant building 
and instead of the pastor up front, it's going to be Jesus, and we're just going to sing for the rest of our lives. Uh, and that did not sound like heaven to me. Especially if the guy or girl weren't that right. good. Or if there's a tambourine, <laughs> like if there's, you know, who, who's going to decide the instruments, the style? But I think in, in eternity without sin, we could spend decades, centuries doing that. Um, but that is not all we were made for, mm-hmm. you know? And, but it does express something we were made for is to proclaim God in everything. Yeah. And so there's a tension, I think, in our worship service of um, singing is a large part of it, but it is not the only part. Yeah. And uh, singing alone without the truth of God's word uh, can often be a failed part. Yeah. Like if, it is, if we come and it is only for us to have self-expression, then we, we're failing uh, because that's why people go to concerts. Mm-hmm. They feel connected. They want to express themselves. And our singing together is not just a concert. It is a, it is a proclamation of the adoration of God. So we're particular about what we sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think a lot of songs we wouldn't sing, you know, do, they do find a biblical place, like in the Psalms, in the, in the way David writes and cries out. But I think our primary goals, like what, I, what would you say, Danny, in, in choosing songs, our primary goals are teach, a teaching ministry. Yes. Teaching, we want for all of us to leave on Sunday morning with a clear understanding of who God is by the teaching of the word and by the songs that we were singing that morning. Mm-hmm. Hopefully uh, the songs are pointing us to uh, God's character, his faithfulness, and and my desire or my goal or what I pray for rather is that when people are walking to their cars, they're humming yeah. that truth that is so so awesome that Jesus has paid it all. Yeah, it's Just like last Sunday, um, we sang that hymn and I want my kids to be singing that in the backseat yeah. as I'm driving home. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's a great theological truth. Jesus has paid it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's been our, I think for the last probably three months, my kids and I just break into uh, his mercy is more like as we're driving to school, as we're driving home and we don't know what else to do. When my kids start singing some song that I'm like, I don't want my children singing this song. <laughs> I just start singing his mercy is more and they start singing with me. Um, and, Can you demonstrate right now? Uh, no. Uh, but I think that that is like a known reality. For a long time, the Word of God was on scrolls that people would have to come to the public gathering to hear mm-hmm. and to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason a lot of the Proverbs are written in, in poetic form or alphabetical order uh, for the sake of memory. There's a reason the Psalms are um, like, uh, I was going to say thematic, but what, what is the words I'm looking for here? Uh, set to music. Whatever, whatever set to music means. How do you say that fancily? Um, so there's a reason that God has recorded much of His Word in that way. There's a reason a lot of the Old Testament is is narrative, not just in that it's truth, uh, but that they could recount and remember the works of God. And so we are blessed to live at a time where we don't only have the hearing of God's Word in a corporate gathering, but we hold the copies. We can digitally search copies. Like we can, we have more access to the Word of God than ever, um, and I think that access does affect the way I preach. In that, I want to preach not only that people would love God more, but they would be better equipped to love God more by understanding the words of the Bible. So it affects our preaching in that 
I don't want people to come on a Sunday and just think Jake really loves God or Jake really understands this. I want them to see in the word of God. I want them to love God because of the clarity of the words of God. Uh, and I want them to feel more compelled to go to the word of God and, and, and adore him through it. Um, and we have a major blessing in that that's available to us. And I think many of us fail to use that, that the joy in our hands because we just don't think about reading. We don't think about words. We don't think about the but and the so that and the, the if and you know redemption and words that matter. And so um, in longing for us to all adore God is part of the reason we go slowly through preaching um, in that each word would be communicated in a way that would compel you to, to read and to think about what you're reading more, to cross-reference, to, to really pursue to know the Word of God. So I think in typical preaching fashion, you moved us from singing praise to preaching? Yeah, I, and that would be our norm. Sometimes we do communion first, yes. but we go from uh, singing praise to the preaching of God's Word um, for, for those purposes. Yeah, And then we've tried to, in the last year, probably about a year, we've been doing scripture reading, right? Yes. We've adjusted the way we've yeah. done it from time to time that yeah. I have within the last year become more comfortable and like preaching is for me I, I'm gonna work through a whole pericope slowly, a pericope being a, a section of scripture. I'm gonna work through that. So we read that and then slowly work through that over a series of weeks. We're kind of in the same section. Mm-hmm. So we were doing just reading that whole section for a while. Um, and then we switched to doing the psalm studies. We have the psalm study going on, so we're mm-hmm. reading the psalm study. Um, a lot of times just one of us are attached to that, so it's what, what you would like to read. You know what's coming up. I think for the time being, we're going to continue doing the psalm study while we're doing that. Um, so, so let me just back us up a little yeah. bit. Uh, so we've been talking about praise, and that's generally how we start our corporate gathering, right. our worship time. And uh, usually we have three songs, and uh, I think... As our listeners are hearing this, uh, you know, I have been tempted in the past to think those three songs give me a little cushion. Oh, yeah. A That's little, just warm-ups, right? A little extra time, yeah. right? Like church service doesn't really start until the pastor starts preaching. So I've got an extra 10, 15 minutes. And I think the temptation is is to skip out on the singing of yeah. God's of, of um, praise. And they're missing out on a huge benefit. They're yeah. missing out on the opportunity to hear the truth of God's word. In a different fashion, yeah. Um, put to music, um, they're missing on the opportunity to be able to remember that truth. Because as you guys were both talking about, like music is a blessing because it helps us to remember truth very easily. I mean, we can all think of a song that we heard growing up as a kid 15 years ago. For whatever reason, we still know all the lyrics, yeah. right? If it comes on right away, we can sing that song. Yeah, let's not talk about Things to songs ones. just help us to memorize it, and then music stirs our hearts. Yeah. Uh, music impacts our minds and our hearts. It stirs something within us to be moved. And uh, what what better opportunity that we have as Christians to gather on a Sunday morning to sing songs, to be reminded of the truth of God's word, and then to stir our affections for God. Right. And so it's a really important aspect of our worship service that I just want to encourage our body personally to not neglect. Like, right. I think it's easy to think that I can get to church at 9.30, and if I'm five minutes late, that's okay. I'm not missing a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and I would encourage you, like, try and set your mind to getting to church at 9.15. 
so that you can start fellowshipping with the saints, so that you're ready to sing praise to God. Yeah. Because because this is an important way that we as a church corporately uh, adore God. Um, yeah. And then moving from singing and worship to scripture reading. Yeah, but before we move, uh, it also, I want to add one more thing. Yeah. Uh, in Colossians 3, which Daniel is going to read, because yeah. we had agreed to that. <laughs> um, it does say that we sing... And we teach and we admonish one another. So you're missing out on utilizing your gift of encouragement by singing truth together. Um, You are, and I say this with much love and um, humility, but I would say you're shortchanging those that are in the body that are next to you that, that need that encouragement as we gather together, as you're showing up late or or not singing or not lifting your voice you're not encouraging them and we do so when we sing we do it as a means of encouragement and you hear that almost every sunday sing as a means of encouragement we don't know what our brothers and sisters are going through what what that morning looked like let alone that week or that month or what sins they're dealing with um and something unique happens you guys have been mentioning you come together and you sing uh, you proclaim God's goodness and his faith and his mercy and his compassion and when our voices unite it stirs our hearts yeah Uh, not because our voices are unique but because we come together as redeemed as um, sinners saved by grace and we're able to sing to our God so that's what I wanted to add yeah, I know. It's hugely encouraging to hear Dwali and Patrick and Pedro is sitting next to me this last Sunday service and he's singing loud. It's a huge encouragement, a huge blessing. You're right. Like, can't really put your finger on it, but something does happen when you hear the body corporately singing together, um, particularly singing truth about how great our God is and that Jesus paid it all. Um, and that sin is great, but God's grace is even greater. Like it, it is so encouraging to hear people sing that. And it, it's it's a great blessing when there's 70 of us there singing yeah. versus the 10. You know? Absolutely. There is an amazing thing that happens too when that many people are singing. The individual voice is drowned out in such a way. I think I, I spent a lot of time growing up in church not singing, just standing, not singing. And sometimes it's... You're you're new at a church. You don't know the songs. It's just it's hard to sing a song you've never sung yeah. before. Like that's just reality. You don't you don't know the song. So I think if you were new with a church, you, you're just gonna have to learn songs. That could take six months. You know, mm-hmm. if we're singing five a week and we're rotating through twenty songs, that could take a, a long time. Um, but I, I would encourage like try to sing. Yeah. Even if you're singing low, even if you feel like I don't sing, because I know there are people who come to church and and you've been coming for years and you just don't sing because you just feel like I'm not a singer. Like music outside of the worship of God is not a big part of my life. Like I'm not a musician, not particularly talented to sing or to do anything else. Um, but to worship God has changed. And and so I think you should participate in that. Like Danny was saying, even if you're the, you know, you're the appendix and nobody knows quite what you do, you're still part of the body and raise your voice with the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, to proclaim God, and so I think it is a it, it is a huge part, and it's a part we should reference because I think we we do we do practice this in a way that is not uncommon, 
um, but is not what is terribly popular in our time. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we simplified a lot for the sake of us all doing it together, um, for the sake of letting our emotions and affections be driven by the words over the environment, mm-hmm. not trying to create an environment that hinders our affection, but not trying to create an environment that would falsify our affections. Mm-hmm. And so, so not only in singing, uh, not only in scripture reading, but why do we script? Why do we even have that portion of our order of service? Why do we read scripture in scripture reading? Yeah. What's the What's the? Uh, I don't know who said it first, but I know everybody says it, and it's a good saying. Uh, it is the purest portion of our service to just plainly read the Word of God, um, and I think it's good for people to realize that and think yeah. about that. That like this is the time where. Um, you know, we try to have it on the screen or I know often we say out of habit, like open your Bible and do it with us. And I always kind of chuckle because it's dark and most of us are too old to see our Bible in the dark. Uh, but we try to have it on the screen, try to have it that you know what it is because we want to hear the words of God yeah. and, and think on them and dwell on them. Let them be what prepares our heart mm-hmm. to, to praise him. Yeah, I think that's a good time for me to read this passage that Danny just referenced. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and think and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Mm-hmm. And so that's one reason why we read God's word. It is the purest time of our worship of our service because it's the only time where we hear from God and God alone and just the reading of his word Um, but it's an opportunity for us to allow God's word to dwell in our hearts richly that then moves us to want to adore God to worship him to respond out of thankfulness to God Um, and and then that also manifests in our singing right Um, so singing would be all of us together adoring God uh, scripture reading would be us dwelling on God's worthiness of adoration. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, preaching would be uh, hopefully compelling us to adore God and equipping us to adore Him better in understanding His Word and in acting that out as a body and, and, and mm-hmm. the function of it. Greater knowledge is, should stir greater affection. Um, and, then, so, and then we have communion. Mm-hmm. So communion as a church we practice sometimes freaks people out. Uh, in, in the way that we practice it, um, we practice it most every Sunday. We skip two Sundays a year, uh, those Sundays being Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. We try to communicate to the body before that comes. Uh, I, I don't always remember to communicate that, but uh, we skip those two Sundays because we don't want to cause confusion in communion. There are many uh, in our world and in our culture that would show up on those days thinking, I've got to go to church, take communion. That's kind of the ritual I do. So rather when uh, a lot of churches would practice it seldomly, uh, we practice it frequently. Um, what are the reasons for that? What are the reasons why some churches practice it seldomly? Well, we <laughs> let's, let's let them communicate why they do what they do. Um, but what, what are the reasons we, I mean, we commun- if you've been with us at all, you've heard this because yeah. we, like we basically preach two messages every Sunday. Yeah. One of us preach generally. I'll I'll preach, and then one of us will preach a quick communion message. Um, and I love that. I think we should try to find a way to get a third message in there if we could. But when we start corporately praying. Yeah. 
So uh, well, we take communion weekly because um, we are hoping to accomplish the three things, and this comes out of First Corinthians um, eleven. Um, but we want to remember our unity that Christ died to purchase to Himself a body, and that body should be unified. And so in First Corinthians, that there's uh, sin that is happening. Um, that they're are eating for their own pleasure. They're thinking of themselves before they're thinking of others. And so in our day and age, that might look differently. That could just be because there's some bitterness or frustration or somebody sinned against you. Um, and that shouldn't be the case. And when we allow that to kind of fester, that impacts our own adoration of God, both privately and personally, and then also corporately as well. Um, it, it's really hard to adore God when you're allowing sin to exist between you and another brother and sister. And so um, first to remember our unity, second to remember Christ and all that he's done. Um, we say this weekly, but as we hold those elements, they are a tangible reminder of Christ's body that was broken for our sins. And the, the cup is a tangible reminder, physical reminder and picture of his blood that is poured out for the remission of our sins. And then the third is to remember our sin. Uh, it allows an opportunity for us to confess any unknown sin. And so um, it is the grace of God to give us communion, uh, to allow an opportunity for us to repent of sin and to put greater faith and trust in God. Yeah. And it's in that moment um, that we are able to repent of sin and put faith and trust in God. Um, and, and at the same time, be reminded of the gospel it is in that moment that our hearts ought to be stirred um, to have greater affection and love for God. Yeah. So, I think I answered the question, but to answer your question, why do we take communion weekly? It's to accomplish those three R's, to remember our unity, His sacrifice, and our sin for the purposes of us um, remembering the gospel and, and our hearts being stirred to adore God more. Yeah. Yeah. So I think as we remember those things in communion, it does give us a time to... Um, we live in a society that we're constantly moving. Like it's my answer to every question. Hey, how have you been busy, man? Busy. I'm so busy. We're always busy. Good. Everything's busy. We're just busy. Um, and part of that is like, we don't have to be as busy as we are. We kind of just want to tell each other we're busy. I don't know. That's a weird part of our society, but communion is a time where we all have to stop. Like, listening to the word of God and, and preaching. I, I guess most people are stopping except me, but communion, we stop and we just dwell on those things that he has died for us, all of us together for his glory, for his praise. And so that's a sweet time. I think the last time would, the, the last thing would be a fellowship together. You know, so when service ends as far as our order of service, um, our service to one another should not end. Um, and that's a time to really uh, pray together. I love when I see people praying together on a Sunday morning, uh, you know, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, playing with each other's kids, spending time together, making plans to spend time together, uh, greeting and meeting new people, hearing the testimonies of one another, um, just having life together. Um, and so I think even in that, we are intentional to, um, to spend time together, to serve one another in doing it. You know, I try to be talking to someone and, and try to kill a few birds with one stone and say like, hey, let's continue to talk and help pick up chairs. Um, let's let's tear things down. And, and the, the men who are serving in those means and, and spending time together as family. So, um, Which is another way that we adore God, actually, is through our service. Yeah. Um, and it is a blessing. 
I know is a struggle at times. I'm sure far more than I'm even aware of, but I know it is a struggle uh, to be a set up tear down church. But it's also a huge blessing because it provides a lot of opportunities for people to serve. And uh, I don't have a verse for it too, but I know practically in my own marriage that when I serve my wife, it stirs greater affection for her. And when I don't serve my wife, it usually causes me to have greater affection for myself and think of myself first. And the same is true in our relationship with God. When we serve God and his people, it stirs within us an affection for God. And when we don't and we're self-centered, it generally just causes more of an affection for ourselves, which is what sin is. Yeah. Ephesians 4, that when each part is working together as it should, the body builds itself up in love. Love, Um, And it's he builds the body up in love. As we work as we should, he builds it up in love. Mm -hmm. So so it's not just uh, for us to come and get filled, but for us to be instruments that God would fill one another. So in the the following podcast then, uh, next week, we will be working through not only how do we do that corporately together, but how do we um, encourage one another to do that and how do we deal with in our own lives when we feel personally we are not compelled to the adoration of God. 